welcome to the Live Well for Longer podcast, the podcast for people who want to learn the art and science of healthy aging and longevity. Join me, Sarah Little, a wellbeing science specialist and positive psychology practitioner, as I share the psychology and behaviors associated with longevity and quality of life. Let's begin. Imagine yourself sitting on a dreamy beach somewhere, tropical and remote. Can you see it, feel it, and taste it almost? Did you know that seeing an object in your imagination activates the same brain parts as seeing it in real life? You being located on that beach might not have happened physically. But your brain doesn't know the difference. This has been confirmed through fMRI studies on the short-term maintenance of memories. Engaging your imagination to envision or contemplate future activities triggers a neurological response in the brain similar to actually experiencing the events. Have you ever wondered why some individuals with less in life appear happier than those who seemingly have it all, such as wealth, a fulfilling career, an abundance of material possessions. This is because demographic variables predict less than 20% of our happiness. Now, let us explore in today's episode the power of positive emotions. And certainly, having things in our life such as possessions, may make us feel good temporarily. They do offer that hedonic fix instantaneously, but they're not everything in the long term. As well, we may think that we have nothing to be grateful for or no sort of thing to look forward to in the near future. Maybe we don't have any holidays planned or we've just come through a a time where we've had a lot of turbulence and we're not feeling our best right or we don't have something to look forward to we're not feeling hopeful and optimistic that doesn't mean we can't feel the colorful emotion of positive emotions on a daily basis so yes having experiences such as laying on the beach or having possessions do give us those good feelings, but they're not essential to having positive emotions. They're not essential to your happiness. And in today's episode, you will learn where emotions come from, why positive and negative emotions are so important, as well as how positive emotions shape your health, your happiness. And I'm going to give you some strategies to increase positive emotions regardless of where you're at, regardless of what you've been going through, regardless of what you own or don't own or where you're situated, I am a deep believer that we can blossom and bloom where we are planted. And I deeply feel that this is something that I've worked on in my own life and seen an incredible leap in my happiness in 2023. And I've talked about this in previous episodes. I've talked about how I live in a remote country town and 
it has been challenging in the past to find happiness when in the past I didn't have a car and I lived remotely and I had a lot of responsibilities as well as health challenges, but I was able to move forward and feel good on a daily basis despite my circumstances. And so this is what I hope to share with you today. I hope to give you a spark of light, of guidance, of hope to help you find positive emotions no matter where you're at, no matter what challenges you're facing. As well, if you're not facing challenges, I hope that this episode sparks even more positive emotions for you and a greater understanding of the role that emotions play in your health and your happiness and your longevity. So as we've discussed, it's not what you have that gives you happiness, but who you are and how much joy you can gain from the simple things in life, such as connecting with a friend or watching a sunset or being simply absorbed in flow. I love Epicurean philosophy because this is a philosophy of hedonism. And often people think of hedonism such as shopping and indulging in beautiful, luxurious food, fine wine, cheeses, etc. However, the Epicureans believe that pleasure, hedonism, was found in the simple things. They actually believed in having a small garden, always eating with friends, never eating alone, connecting with companions daily, connecting with things you love. And it actually wasn't about consumerism. It wasn't about the things you had. So I think it's really interesting that in our current era, we have connected this hedonism often with things and possessions. But I would encourage you to look at it from the view of what the Epicurist originally intended it to be. It intent, that was the intended, intention was about the simple things in life. So I think this is one of the best things that we can learn um, in life is to enjoy the small, simple things. So this is not only confirmed in philosophy, philosophy, but in science as well. It's confirmed that happiness isn't found in our experiences or how much we have, how much money we own or how much we earn. Certainly there is a certain threshold and that is changing each study that comes out. It does change about how much money is the right amount to have happiness. So I, I think we can't really look at that because in my work with studying the blue zones, those blue zone centenarians and their centenarians were very happy and they didn't have much money. So certainly I think we can sort of dismiss money to a large degree. I say a large degree because obviously you have to have enough money to be safe and uh, fed and feel secure. However, a lot of us have that and a lot of people listening and probably have that um, obviously there's some countries some people some places and groups um, that may not have that but I, my my idea is that you're probably listening in with that already so positive emotions precede success they precede you know long-lasting happiness they precede a lot of things in life 
and they often are activating vehicles they are if you think of a car they're like the turbo on a car if you have uh, and you turbocharge it, that is what positive emotions do to our health, to our happiness, and to our success. Now, imagine there's something you'd like to achieve in the next six months and just visualize and just really absorb into that, that item that you want to achieve, that experience that you want to have. Now, think about how you feel about that experience. Think about all the thoughts you have surrounding that goal you have. Are they positive, uplifting, joyful, enriched? Because if we have this goal, this idea of what we want to achieve, and yet we're not working with these positive emotions, it can be much harder to achieve it. And that is because, well, it's because of many things, and we will go into that shortly. However, if you work with your emotions positively, you can turbocharge yourself and your success. Often people think that to become a success or to have the great things in life, the good things in life, good friends, happy family, health, that they must be or do certain things first but I honestly can say from my own experience that positive emotions precede success successful relationships positive health and so forth so goals do become a lot more doable when we are feeling good we should have goals that help us to instantly feel good we should feel good about accomplishing them, even if we feel like they're difficult. So I have been writing a book for the last uh, two years, I think it's been maybe, on how to rest and particularly how do, how do we rest in hard times. And it's been really challenging because I'm on to chapter three and it's actually only four chapters, but I'm getting to the end of it. And whilst I was really positive, about the book and I felt so much joy and aliveness in writing it initially I worked with a mentor of mine who put me on a different path with it and since she put me on a different path because she had a different vision for it I struggled to write it and have been struggling to write it ever since so this is something that I still am working on myself because I am working with the fact that do I need to re-envision this pathway for my book or is it the thoughts I have around the book that's putting some turbulence in place? And certainly I think that for me, it is the way I am viewing the book. I think it's an amazing book, but I am not having thoughts that are positive and uplifting around it. And so I need to shift that because I can't, fully shift the direction of the book now and I've thought about this and it's just not possible because I'm on chapter three and there's a final chapter but I'm excited for it but I need to work on being excited to write it being excited for the process so feeling good is the first step to achieving our goals or becoming successful at what we're seeking in life so really you're not going to 
book new clients. You're not going to finish writing the book. You're not going to have beautiful relationships if you feel miserable, if you feel upset. So certainly these things, these emotions that are unpleasant, there is a purpose for them and we're going to discuss them soon, shortly. However, for now, we're talking about feeling good. And feeling good leads to success. But don't beat yourself up if you don't feel good because we're going to discuss ways to increase your positive emotional bank account. Until recently, the positive psychology movement, which has been led by Martin Seligman amongst others, uh, happiness was overlooked. It was very much overlooked in the psychology field and related disciplines. In the last three decades, however, there has been an incredible surge in scientific evidence on the literature of happiness. So we now have incredible um, systematic reviews, meta-analysis, studies done, conducted on what actually contributes to happiness. And I think this is simply amazing because it really does take the guesswork out of it for us. And the research has shown that happiness can be fostered. It can be increased. So we're going to talk about how to do that today. How do we increase our happiness? And for me, happiness has been one of those things in my life where it's a little mysterious. It's like a mysterious lover and it comes and it goes. And I think, why can't it just stay, hang out with me a little longer? But I think that we think of happiness as this constant permanent state when in fact happiness, like other emotions, is always in a state of flux, just depending on our mood at the time, if we've slept well, if we've eaten, you know, what's happened the day before, what we've got coming up, what the weather's doing. There's so many facets affecting our happiness. And I think it's really important to know that there's there's some things we can change and there's some things we can't change. And one of the things we can't change is we can't avoid negative emotions because they actually serve a really adaptive purpose. So positive emotions like negative emotions often tend to be short-lived. You may find that in the morning you wake up and you're so excited to have your morning cup of coffee like me. <laughs> Although you may find yourself frustrated minutes later because your car won't start. Our mood is longer lasting, however, than our emotions. So our emotions are short-lived, but our mood is less diffuse, more diffused than emotions. So, so the way you see something will be different to the way another person sees it. And it doesn't mean that how you see something is untrue or how they see it is untrue, but it does tell us, the way you see something does tell us how you're going to feel about something. So waking up and having a beautiful cup of coffee may be a really positive experience for someone, but for another person, it may not be a positive experience. 
Another good example of this is alcohol. Having a glass of red wine might be a really positive thing for one person. However, for another, it may not be. And this is completely natural. I think one of the things we often do is we fight what we feel is true for us. And the more we can get closer to our truth, the happier we can become. As I said earlier, you know, the world does have this consumerist mentality around what happiness is and, and where it's based. But if we dig deep internally, we can find our own ideas about happiness. And those ideas generally remain quite stable over time. So for me, one of my stable constants has been writing throughout my life. That's an activity that's been relatively stable. Another place I find happiness is watching the sunset or looking at the sky, cloud gazing. I just find great joy in the clouds. I can't pin it. Why? Where it came from? Probably when I was young, but I have this feeling of awe. So one of the things I recommend is to always is to write a pleasure list of things that you find joy in. And you may want to also write another pleasure list. And that pleasure list is around things that you found joy in when you were young. Because often I've found that those youthful experiences that we had transpire over into our adulthood. As I was saying, they often are, you know, untouched. They're often unwavering. They often uh, are activated in youth and continue throughout our adulthood. So when we respond in these positive ways, we open up ourselves, we open up our minds and our hearts. However, when you are responding to situations in a really negative way, you're reacting to them and having negative emotions, that does the opposite thing. When you're in that worried state, you're activating the orbital frontal cortex and thus you're actually sending neurobiological signals to the rest of your body body telling your body that there's something to be worried about so you're closing yourself off you're closing down and I have found this from my own life after experiences of trauma when I was younger I actually would be hunched over my shoulders would be collapsed concave trying to protect my heart and I carried this throughout my early uh, youth and early teenage years this collapsing, this worried state, and I was not able to see the forest from the trees, as the saying goes. So positive and negative emotions are not essentially the outcome. They're basically their effects. They're effects to our thoughts. They're effects to our environment. And what often is the way to change that is to change our thinking, to change our mindset, and to change our environment. So we can change a lot of our emotions by changing the way we see things and by changing the environment that we're in. And I speak about this often during the podcast, is that our environment is a huge predictor of our happiness, if not the most essential. So optimistic attitudes in regards to longevity have been shown to increase your lifespan by up to 10 years. 10 years. That is incredible. I think this is one of the things that 
I'm learning to cultivate and I hope you'll learn to cultivate as well because it's not something that involves a lot of money it does involve deliberate uh, practice however but if we look at negative emotions that they are the equivalent to smoking three packets of cigarettes a day so that is insane you ask me but emotions are messengers they really are they're here to tell you something about yourself your thoughts your beliefs the way you see yourself and your environment so there are things that we may not be able to change the events that have happened in the past or that are currently happening but we can change how we respond and feel about them if you've always thought about things in a certain way it's going to involve a little bit of deliberate uh, contemplation reflection and reframement in order to view the world differently but it's not impossible because your personality is not fixed your beliefs are not fixed and honestly neither are your emotions positive emotions they build our physical health negative emotions decrease our physical health it's that simple so positive emotions have been related to improved health outcomes, both in the short term and the long term. They improve our immunity. They decrease disease and symptom control. In contrast, when we are upbeat, you are boosting your mood. You are boosting your pain tolerance. You are boosting your immunity. This is amazing. It's like you could have a, a multivitamin to improve your immunity or you can feel good <laughs> or you could do both but studies have found that positive emotions reduce colds headaches congestion inflammation and lower the likelihood of cardiovascular disease positive positive emotions create this upward spiral of mental health and we're going to be talking about this soon this is the broaden and build theory by dr barbara Fredrickson. i think i've already spoken about this on another episode but i think it's probably worth saying so we'll just touch on it lightly today but the reverse is also true for negative emotions because negative emotions don't not only feel bad, but they're also bad for your health, right? They can decrease your immune system and lower your pain tolerance. And they are also related to a lot of um, health conditions. So feeling good is crucial for your health, for your success, for your creativity, for your social relationships. And you can do so much more in life when you feel good. You can achieve your goals. You can um, you can just live a better life. So, yes, I, I hope I've convinced you <laughs> that positive emotions are good. So Barbara Fredrickson, she is um, one of the leaders in positive psychology. So I've also mentioned, mentioned Martin Seligman, but Barbara Fredrickson is another. And her work has provided some incredible insight into positive emotions. And she proposes a theory called the Broaden and Build Theory, which informs us that positive emotions can change our thought action repertoires. So when we feel good, we have more novel ideas, we're more creative, we strengthen our social bonds, we improve our health. All these items come from the result of feeling good. Quite amazing, really, isn't it? So I I've talked about already, but if you think about positive emotions like a bank account, the more you feel good, the more you deposit into your emotional bank account, right? And the more money or emotional uh, bank account you'll have to draw upon later. So let's say if something goes wrong in your life, 
and you've been feeling really, really good for quite a long time. You've been um, putting a lot of positive emotions in, working on your thoughts, creating a really conducive environment to feeling good and something goes wrong, you're going to be still more resilient. You're going to be more equipped to handle those challenging experiences versus if you have really been neglecting your emotional health. When something bad happens, you really take that hit quite hard. And I know this definitely from personal experience. So the more you positive emotions you put in, the more you are building up that positive emotional bank account. And you're broadening and building upon uh, your health, your success, your creativity, and your social bonds. Now, Dr. Barbara Fredrickson, she's got some incredible work on emotions, just generally speaking as well. And she has actually identified top, the top 10 positive emotions. So her emotions uh, that she's identified are joy, gratitude, serenity, interest, hope, pride, amusement, inspiration, awe, and love. And I just think they are beautiful. I think it's interesting that savoring is not on there because savoring, I mean, you could say savoring comes under joy or gratitude or interest. But for me, savoring is another, another positive emotion I just love. So how do we increase positive emotions? So we're going to talk about six strategies that will help you to increase positive emotions. When I was 17 years old, I worked in a retail store. There was a woman whom I worked with and I admired her very much. One day she was going to get herself a coffee and she asked if I wanted one. I told her that I wanted a hot chocolate because at the time I loved hot chocolate and her response derailed me and deflated me. It made me feel as if I was a little girl. She was like, you want a hot chocolate? I thought you'd want a coffee. You're, you're a little girl. You're drinking hot chocolate, you know? And this really threw me off because I was like, what's wrong with having a hot chocolate? But I just felt so inferior. Like I wasn't an adult and I was much younger than her, probably half her age. And I really looked after her and saw approval from her. Her questioning my drink made me feel very inferior. And it made me feel like I shouldn't be drinking hot chocolate. I should be drinking coffee. So after that, I actually ended up drinking coffee. But how often in life do we try to be someone we're not? How often do we change our choices because we're scared of what other people are going to think of us? And maybe this isn't you or maybe it is, but I encourage you to just really think about it and think about the little edits in your life. You know, where are you currently participating in activities or doing something that's making you feel not so good, maybe even miserable? So strategy one is to stop doing things that make you feel miserable. <laughs> so some small switches like, Changing my coffee, changing my hot chocolate to coffee can have a really big significant impact. Not only does it make us feel like we shouldn't feel good, but it also is like affirming that we're not acknowledging that we deserve to feel good, that we deserve to have the thing that we want. So quit the things that make you feel miserable, quit having your coffee instead of your hot chocolate and start doing what brings you joy do I drink hot chocolate these days uh, yes I do <laughs> strategy two is do activities that feel good tomorrow today often what we do is we delay our happiness for tomorrow manana manana no, later later but in fact 
what we need to be doing is enjoying our present self, enjoying our happiness in the future today. And there's definitely better ways to use our time than scrolling on Instagram or, you know, passing the time by doing things that don't feel good. I think a lot of us get caught up in this idea that we, you know, have these habits and we're kind of stuck in them. But in fact, you're never actually really stuck. It's basically your thought telling you you're stuck. You can change yourself at any given moment. The Greek philosopher Epicurus, you know, if he were alive to, today, I think he'd agree with me on this one because the philosophy of the Epicureanism philosophy is all about centered on, it's centered on what brings us pleasure, what brings us joy. And it's all about doing the things that bring us joy today, not waiting. So these little simple pleasures that we put off, they really make a big difference. Whether you're putting off wearing that gorgeous top because you're like, oh, I have to lose some weight first. Or whether you're putting off using that china, the your gorgeous cups and china wear, don't. Because who knows when those moments will come, if they will come. So don't wait until the conditions are right or don't wait until tomorrow. Start to do activities that make you feel good. You don't need to lose the weight. You don't need to have circumstances to be perfect. You don't need to wait to have beautiful uh, guests come over to indulge in a delicious meal. Do all these things for yourself today. Okay, so strategy two was do activities that feel good tomorrow, today. Strategy three is focus on your strengths. By using your strengths, you're going to increase your positive emotions. Now, I love the VA Character Strength Survey. So it's VIA and it's free. If you take the VA Character Strength Survey, they will give you a free report with your top character strengths. And I've been working with this for many, many years now. And I love it because it helps me to see what are my top three stamp strengths. And then I can often Google it and look up ways to use these strengths in new ways, ways to um, incorporate these strengths into my life more. And so it's like an easy win. <laughs> it's an easy win to feel good to doing the things that, that you just love. So strategy three is focus on your strengths. And I encourage you to take the free via character strength survey. And then I encourage you to try using your strengths in new ways. All right, we have quite a few more, actually. I did say six, but I'm, I think I'll throw in another one for good measure. So strategy four is stack your pleasures. So the blue zone regions, these are, I've spoken about them before, Okinawa, Sardinia, Nicoya, Akeria, Loma Linda. These are the five areas worldwide with, with the highest concentration of centenarians. And people in these areas have many, many things in common. And one of the commonalities of these areas is that they often stack their pleasures. So whether they're having coffee with a friend or exercising with loved ones, their activities are not just having a delicious coffee, but it's having a delicious coffee with friends. It's not just exercising. It's like exercising with loved ones or exercising in nature but they stack their pleasures. And I love this mentality of stacking our pleasures. So how can we do more of the things that we love in a smaller container? So you might go, you might think that, you know, painting or art is your thing, and that might be something that you do daily. But you may also as well love listening to music or drinking a herbal chai. Why not bring all those elements and stack them together? I just love this. So I ask you, what are the activities that you enjoy? 
and how can you stack these pleasures together? I think this is something I'm going to write down after I finish the podcast because I haven't done it in a while, but just explore how I can stack my pleasures. I'm just thinking about it now and I definitely think that uh, writing is one of my pleasures, my great pleasures, and having a beautiful chai while I write might indulge me to, to being more motivated to write. But I was thinking earlier that I have to clean the bathroom and there's a podcast that I want to listen to. And I was going to listen to the podcast, put on some essential oils and really just chill out while I clean the bathroom in a really calm, relaxed manner. And that is definitely stack, stacking those pleasures. Now, number five is to change your self-image. Many of us, myself included, have been guilty of thinking that we're just not happy people. So for a lot of my life, I've definitely struggled with like low and depressed mood and anxiety. And it's something that's never actually going to go away. I've, I've come to that realization that, you know, I used to think that I could cut it, this cord that it was attached to me of like this low mood and I could cut it and it would be gone or I could burn it and it would be gone. But in fact, low moods and depression um, are part of my personality. They're part of my life and part of my introverted, sensitive, type A, perfectionistic state. And so instead of beating myself up with the fact that I can never cut it off and be completely free, I can allow myself to also see, see myself as a type of person who can be happy and have challenges to be happy and be a able to deal with low moods or low low times in my life so changing our self-image is one of the surefire quickest ways to see yourself um, to change your life to see your start to see yourself as a happy person start to be a happy person right so when we start seeing ourselves as a happy person then we start being a happy person that's when the actions and the thoughts they follow so when you're faced with challenging situations, how can you see yourself as a person who can be upbeat, confident, loving, compassionate in that situation? How can you on a daily basis see yourself as a person who is a happy person? All right, strategy number six is to surround yourself with people and experiences that feel good. I think as adults, we often forget that we have this incredible power, that we can choose our friends, that we can choose our experiences and our communities. But I think this power is one of the most overlooked things that we forget in our life when we grow up. We kind of get into this rut, we fall into these old groups, these old uh, friendships, these old patterns. But we can actually choose to surround ourselves with the amazing people. We can choose to have positive experiences. And I encourage you to be the type of person that goes out into the world and surrounds themselves with positive people, positive experiences. So to become the happiest version of ourselves, ourselves, you must examine your environments, your groups, your friendships, and see, do they actually uplift my energy or do they drag me down? All right, we are getting to the end. This has been a long, long episode. <laughs> so strategy seven is to develop a positive emotional vocabulary. The words we use have an indelible effect on how we feel. As an example, we just talked about how we see ourselves and our vocabulary definitely is shaped by how we see ourselves. 
So if you see yourself as a happy person, happy-go-lucky, you're going to use words that are related to that happy-go-lucky nature. If you see yourself as a person who is unfortunate, out of luck, struggling, you're going to have an emotional vocabulary that is consistent with that. So I challenge you to take the time over the next few weeks to really explore how you talk about your emotions. Are they fueled with positivity or are they fueled with negativity? And where is that stemming from? And have you got a self-image that is related to those feelings? Do you see yourself as a negative person? Do you see yourself as not capable? Do you, do you have limiting beliefs is really what I'm saying. So number seven is develop a positive emotional vocabulary. Harness as well, harness saying words that are positive. You try to use positive words such as love or hope, flow, add those positive elements of positive words into, our, into your life. We forget that there's an array of emotions out there that we can feel positive emotions and we get stuck in this idea of that happiness is the one word or joy. But in fact, there's so many words of describing how we feel and, and, and especially positive emotions. So have a look online, see if you can do, look in the thesaurus to help you describe how you feel and get really specific and get really enthused about using these specific positive emotional words and enriching your positive emotional vocabulary. So yes. Okay, we have definitely touched on a lot today, and I am very grateful that you listened in to this podcast. Really, your emotions are a currency. I know it's a weird way to look at it, but they really are. The happier you feel, the more enriched your life is going to be. So remember, keep building up that positive emotional bank account, stack those pleasures, and remember that your health, your happiness is good for your health. And having positive emotions will serve you well, not only today and feeling good today, but in the future. And positive emotions are something that we need to continuously work on. They're something that we have to keep adding, adding, adding to our life and keep prioritizing ourselves and feeling good. Okay, thank you for listening. If you haven't yet downloaded the manifesto to help you uh, live well for longer, we have a beautiful manifesto that's centered around the seven themes of quality of life and longevity. And you can do that on the positive, uh, the institute of positiveaging.com slash manifesto. So the website. And I thank you very much. I hope you have a lovely Christmas and I will see you in the next episode. As we conclude this Live Well for Longer podcast episode, we sincerely appreciate your presence on this journey. Your support fuels our mission, so remember to subscribe and leave your thoughts. And if you'd like to download a positive aging manifesto with seven traits to age healthy and happy, then visit positiveaginginstitute.com slash manifesto. Until next time, live a connected and committed life.